Welcome to the Health Bites Podcast. This podcast features expert speakers presenting on topics of interest to all of our listeners, from librarians, public health practitioners, educators, and clinicians. Health Bites is supported by the National Institutes of Health, the National Library of Medicine, and the Network of the National Library of Medicine, Region 3. For more information, please visit us at www.nnlm.gov. Thank you for joining us for today's June edition of Health Bites with Region 3. We are pleased to welcome this month's speaker, Prasanna Badevathirian. Thank you. Prasanna is a health sciences librarian with research interest in investigating innovative approaches in health sciences education and research. She is committed to uh, function as an integral member of the University of Kansas Medical Center campus-wide care team by facilitating the access and delivery of critical and evidence-based information in healthcare, research, and education. Although Prasanna has multiple job roles, she identifies systematic review collaboration as one of the essential expertise of medical librarians. She has completed essential trainings and successfully collaborated with researchers in conducting reviews. In today's Health Bites, our speaker will give a presentation on conducting a systematic review, an overview of the process. Thank you, Prasanna, for being our guest speaker this morning, and I will turn everything over to you. Thank you, Maggie, for the introduction. And let me share my screen here. Can everybody see my screen okay? Yes, it looks great. Uh, okay, okay. Thank you again, Margie. And today's presentation is about uh, conducting a systematic review, uh, uh, the overview of the process. Um, we have uh, four objectives here. The first one is to describe uh, what a systematic review is, along with providing the um, steps in briefly providing the steps involved in conducting the systematic review. Um, the third objective is um, um, identifying the best practices involved in it. I have a couple of resources listed and uh, screenshots and documents that I can share with you. And finally, we're going to explore successful collaboration strategies to complete uh, the systematic review in a in a realistic uh in realistic way so um before jumping into the presentation i have um i have a, a zoom generated poll that marty can put on it um the, the question is how often have you been contacted by someone with a systematic review project or identified the need of conducting one i'll appreciate if you could answer that poll So uh, from the poll, I understand that um, a majority of you are having um, uh, questions uh, less often. 
Um, and and the next is um, quite often, and some of you are uh, never received a question about systematic review or asked for collaborating in a project. It it also depends on the type of institution that we work and your job role. If you are working in an academic medical center with various health sciences uh, and medical programs, it's quite possible that you get a higher volume of systematic review project questions. We at the KU Medical Center get moderately a higher number of systematic review related questions uh, recently. So, um, uh, what is a systematic review? It's a type of knowledge synthesis uh, from all the available evidence-based evidence, and it's evidence-based scientific uh, method. It uses explicit systematic, that's how it got the name as systematic review, explicit systematic methods to collect and synthesize findings of studies that address on a clearly formulated question. And what is the significance that you can find a lot of uh, uh, formal definitions uh, online, but this is something that I always keep in mind that it is based on a clearly formulated question and it uses scientific methods uh, to conduct the uh, evidence synthesis. So what is the significance if you conduct um, if you conduct a uh, title search in PubMed in, 20, in, in yesterday, you're going to get more than 216,100 something plus um, citations retrieved. It was around 40,000 something in, in 2020. So it has an exp exponential growth in the literature and, and it's really uh, uh it's really um the top priority research evidence research and knowledge synthesis practice they are evidence-based but not any opinion based uh they are one of the steps involved in the uh, ebm triangle ebm triad which is collecting all the best available evidence on it uh, available evidence and uh, making the clinical decision making um, systematic reviews, they identify and summarize all the available research evidence. Uh, and, uh, and again, the exponential growth of research, especially in the healthcare field, demands to systematically summarize available evidence to make decisions in patient care and clinical research. So uh, looking back uh, a little bit of the history uh, of systematic review, in 1970. Uh, in 1753, um, Dr. Lind uh, um, summarized a topic on um, on the scurvy treatment. He was he had a lot of questions on how to summarize the treatment of the available best treatment of scurvy treatment uh, scurvy, and this is something you can you can you can see in the title in the in the image here an inquiry into the nature causes and cure of that disease and it's a critical and a chronological view of what has been published on the subject 
So that is, uh, I believe that is something that we have started conducting the evidence synthesis and the systematic reviews. And later on in 1988, Oxyman and Dr. Gayat, uh, uh, with the evidence-based medicine practice movement, we have a more, uh, we had a more structured field, uh, base, base in, in conducting systematic reviews. In 1993, with the Cochrane collaboration with the greater international emphasis, the, the systematic review uh, practice has been uh, further flourished. And we are, we have now, now we have, it is in non-medical field. So we have a systematic reviews are conducting. So that is the, uh, uh, the if you were looking back a little bit of a, history of the systematic reviews that we can narrate. And another way to identify what a systematic review is, um, to clearly understand what it is, how it is different from other types of reviews, is a best way to understand what systematic reviews. There are more than 19 uh, main types of reviews existing. Uh, one of the most popular reviews is narrative review. But remember the difference between um, narrative review and systematic reviews. Narrative reviews are examining knowledge on an ex existing topic. Um, what is available on an ex existing topic? And it could be a broader topic as well. Where the systematic review uh, I, uh, identify and appraise synthesis all available, ev available empirical evidence. Another um, relatively new approach on the evidence synthesis is the popular review type uh, nowadays, which is the scoping review. Scoping review actually uh, is, is kind of a mapping the uh, topic on the available evidence or, uh, and address the knowledge gaps. Um, it doesn't produce a summary answer to the uh, uh, clinical for, for the clinical decision making. Scoping review is uh, potentially a large, uh, it addresses a large diverse body of literature pertaining to a broad topic. So that is the difference between scoping review and systematic review, where systematic scoping reviews are, it identify and map the knowledge gap on a broader topic, but scoping systematic review has a very uh, specific narrowed down um, research question. And then the meta-analysis is a statistical method to combine the data from separate but similar studies uh, is a kind of a quantitative summary. So the steps involved in, uh, in the process is uh, one of the steps is the initial planning and then the developing the protocol and conducting the literature search. I identify it as a uh, it has more uh, more than six steps, uh, but we can also uh, see many facets that people describe in systematic review uh, review process. Uh, this, this, there are more than six steps in in the in the process, I believe. So, out of the three steps, uh, initial planning, developing the protocol, and the search, is. Uh, uh, mainly a librarian's or informationist role. And um, uh, typically librarian also have many, many uh, assistants in reporting and publishing the systematic reviews. So these are the steps that is, we, we're gonna explore all these six steps in the 
following slides. So uh, first we can, uh, formulating a research question is the, uh, is the first step involved in the initial planning. You might be getting a lot of questions on, uh, as, uh, uh, if you get a question, if you get questions for, for conducting systematic reviews, um, one of the tasks that I would do is to identify if that is a real one. When I meant, when I say real one, I meant it. If you are in an academic medical center librarian, it's quite normal that you get a lot, uh, a lot of maybe a thousand words email describing the topic or asking, um, hey librarian, I have a systematic review project due on next Monday. Can I complete it uh, before the due date? So the word systematic review sometimes is um, uh, overused or misused in many times. So we have to uh, we have to find out whether that is a reasonable question and identify uh, do a lot of background on the question and uh, consultations to identify if that is uh, if someone is really uh, intended to conduct a systematic review. So once you in uh, in in that first step, you can identify the research question. Um, from that thousand words topic is, is, is something that we can assist people with uh, on, on developing a very well formulated research question. There are many mnemonics that we can use uh, identifying the research question. I'm going to come over, uh, explain that in, 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 in a bit about uh, of that mnemonics. So typically the PICO question, PICO is more on uh, a mnemonics that used for uh, clinical uh, question or clinical research question. We have also other uh, mnemonics that you can in, use in the, uh, use to develop the uh, research question. And also we have to conduct the preliminary search for the, uh, uh, about the question or the, about the topic and uh, the, the uh, the question. We have to conduct a lot of background and the foreground research for each concepts in the question, and and uh, I inquire whether the whether the question or the topic qualify for a, a systematic review project. You can inquire if a systematic review has been already published, or is there a scoping review ex existing on that on on the on the question. Uh, and then develop a protocol uh, after the preliminary meetings. So when I say protocol, there are formalized protocols uh, from um, available from um, Prisma, etc. Um, but uh, it's it's a you can also make an internal uh, um, um, internal protocol uh, based on the information that uh, you were. Uh, your student or the researcher is giving you. So that is that can be also used for the documentation purpose. You can, uh, um, let me share my screen over here. Um, so this is something that uh, 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 initial planning that we created, uh, initial planning, we can send it to the, uh, uh, the patron uh, or the researcher and they collect uh in information it has uh research question treated peak format later on we can help the, the pattern that uh, to come up with a better peak statement and this is this one this one is uh this form is um modified from the becker library um of saint louis and then we can also we can continue with that uh uh we can also 
make um, additional information based on your need and uh, or, or you can consult the formal protocols now once we have already documented uh, all these all these things um, we can collaborate and team up with uh, make the team the team is um, we will have it's always to have multiple people in the team um, so for example the pirate here is uh, the expert is the subject expert we can ask him why he, he must what is the benefit of masking the uh, eye and we can also see uh, the librarian uh, and the sub, uh, researcher and and and, and the um, the reviewer etc etc it's always a uh, always having and uh, it's always best to have more than one more than three people in a team so so the the protocol development is the next uh next task that you can you can go ahead so why we are using the protocol it's it can avoid duplicates and it can it can build awareness and more, more after all it can it can have the transparency, it can create the transparency of the entire steps that you are going through. So typically uh, it has a research question um, and the inclusion, your inclusion exclusion criteria and the literature search sample, the screening and the quality assessment. Let me show you uh, some of the protocols that, um, that we can um, explore. Um, so Prisma P, is the systematic review protocol. So let me go over here and share the screen. Um, so the Prisma checklist, uh, which is which 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 has uh, uh, which has uh, the protocol has sixteen items, sixteen to seventeen items, I believe. Um, so this one, this is something that you can use to develop the protocol, and then um, the. Let me go back to the slide again. Um, and then Cochrane Handbook has also uh, have protocol guidelines and a reporting protocol for the new Cochrane reviews. And then we you can always register the protocols in Prospero, which is the most popular uh, protocol registry. So I can show you a sample of a protocol registration. Um, so this is one of the protocols that I have registered in the uh, Prospero. So it has, um, it can see that it has the review question title. It has the, which it has information on which databases you have searched and the type of study, your inclusion, ex exclusion criteria, et cetera, et cetera. So back to the slide. Um, so, and then other uh, protocol registry is Cochrane Library. Cochrane Library has a uh, uh, protocol registration for the studies for intervention. And then the JBI, Systematic Review Register. I have included all the um, uh, links for the resources uh, at the very end of the, um, session, uh, the, the slides. You can also, is there the, in, in the chat, we're going to do paste the, the links for the, the, um, the resources that uh, Another one is Open Science Framework, which which is which is relatively new resource that you can register the protocols. 
you can also publish the protocol. Many of the uh, biomed central journals uh, publish protocols. So, so that's a good thing that um, that that's we can when we creating a Prospero, we can all it's, it's not only as uh, give you the documentation purpose, clear with it, uh, making everything every steps uh, clear and um, clear uh, to to proceed. And and finally, you can also publish that uh, protocol. In, in journals if you like to. Now, now the second step is literature searching. So the literature searching is uh, is, is a comprehensive and re reproducible literature search is the foundation of the systematic review. Um, so um, it 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 it's a, Prisma also has uh, guidance on the uh, literature searching part and also has we have also peer review of electronic search strategies uh, electronic search strategies so again the another resource is cochrane cochrane handbook part two chapter four uh five, section five has um a, a lot of information on um how to conduct the systematic reviews i mean the guidance in the let, let me go to the prisma uh Prisma S checklist over here. Uh, gonna go to open up the browser. So this is the Prisma uh, checklist, which has uh, which has uh, around sixteen items um, listed. It is published. It is relatively new. The updates it gives the update of two thousand nine Prisma checklist, and I believe that the major update is uh, on the section eight the number eight over here, which include the search strategies of each databases and information resources copied and pasted exactly from the maybe from the database as it is run. So previously in the ninth uh, version of Prisma check, check, uh, searching check, checklist, it, we, we I have provided only one database search history, but now it is it, it is we have to provide a complete search strategy and then i believe that the 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 18 i believe sorry the the 10th one is search filters if you have indicated if you have used any published and search filters you have used uh, uh and uh, you have to pro provide that information um and then um if you have searched any any, uh, it has to be clear in the search uh, search strategy um, and the date and when it is last a search has been occurred. Other thing that I I feel is it's a uh, if there are many other uh, aggregated search like uh, polyglot search, uh, AI generated search. If you have used any those kind of uh, tools, that also should be uh, specific precisely. Uh, uh, explained so <clears throat> then back to the again um so peer review of electronic search strategies is one other uh, other guideline uh, or the tool that i use so going back to the uh going back to the so if so the p I cannot see my screen in here because I have the chat. I have the chat in here. Let's see. 
we we have also the the press peer review of electronic search strategy which if you wanted to explore a bit um you can uh, you the link is provided in the very last part of this uh, slide let me go back to the slide so the now this is something that you can get a, a, a topic in here um so if when when you get a topic you can uh, you can easily figure out uh, the main concept in the question and figure out with the mnemonics picot i use picot uh, because i wanted to know what type of uh, the type of the question be, and uh, if it is a diagnosis type of question or if it is a therapy kind of question and the the t the second t is in the type of study that is trying that they are trying to include so over here you can figure out that um in in in, in a person with the rosacea uh whether honey is an uh, is the uh, intervention compared with metronidazide and the oral antibiotics and the outcome is improvement in the rosacea symptoms so that is how we can um, formulate the research question this is this slides here it's giving you the this is something that um my initial search strategy directly copy pasted from Harvard Medline search I always like the lines uh, uh search but not the kind of the word cloud search because it can give a uh, more uh, rational and easy to understand what has been how we have used the boolean operators etc etc I sometimes also color code with the each concepts and to explain the uh, people how I have conducted that search and and same as uh, we have um, the uh, um, the what are the total number of citations uh, retrieved here and the each number of citations retrieved from the databases that I I I searched and finally this is something that they have published uh, in the appendix we can see the search strategies and the databases um, and the query terms in the embase.com so this usually the uh, the complete search strategy can um, see in the appendix of the um, um, the published articles have you ever had someone really believe in you cheer you on from the sidelines brag about your hard work open doors to new opportunities and fresh experiences? At NNLM Region 3, we believe in the incredible value offered by the next generation of library school students and information professionals. We invest in professional development, presentation opportunities, and projects that support the unique ideas these folks bring to the table. Want to learn more about our student and early career opportunities? Send us an email today. NNLM Region 3 at unthsc.edu. I'm Bailey Sterling from NNLM Region 3, and I believe in you. Now, back to the show. Um, the other, some of the tips that I use in when I conduct the systematic, uh, when, when I conduct searches for systematic reviews is one, searching one database at a time. I'm, I'm not a big fan of uh, conducting every database together, even though it's a, just a keyword search, because we're searching for one concept at a time in a single database gives me more, more, um, more sense of how that particular term is um, 
uh, uh, the database has uh, explored that particular uh, term and give me the results. I tend to be, build a master search strategy in one of the uh, database, which is it's typically is Ovid Medline slash PubMed. And then I can we can switch out the primary database, which is uh, relevant to the question. And also, uh, we, we have to search in gray literature, like the clinical trial registries, organization websites, and the uh, preprints like Biomedics are, uh, et cetera. There are so many preprints available. You can search that. And then the cited references as well for the citing re references. This is kind of a backward kind of searching. And then the citing references also uh, represents a forward searching. You can use a term harvest form. There are many available uh, uh, from various institutions. So what I I like to do is to uh, to uh, uh, to gather the the a concepts um, one of the concepts. For example, the P concept in the question, and I use similar concepts, narrower terms, and the related uh, related terms and the brief concepts. So that's why we have to do. Uh, uh, the concept search in each databases and also having a lot of background research. Um, uh, as you know, we have to use controlled vocabularies and keyword, keywords. There are so many um, tools uh, similar to similar to polyglot searching. Uh, we, we, but I haven't tried that, those kind of uh, uh, comprehensive tools in conducting systematic reviews because I, I type the concept in each database and figure out what is the, the, the perfect matching controlled vocabulary. And, and also we can use um, more uh, database functionalities like truncation, adjacency, flooring, subject headings, et cetera, to, uh, to, to improve the sensitivity of the, uh, the search. Now, analyzing and synthesizing. Once we have completed the, um, the search, we can export that to the the, um, uh, the, the bibliographic management so software tools such as EndNote, Sotero, or Mendeley. I have, in my experience, I have EndNote is the best uh, bibliographic tool that I, I experience when exporting the research. It can also function as a screening tool. We can conduct uh, some kind of searching in the uh, EndNote and figure out, group them into various facets of the um, the citations uh, and uh, we, uh, it can easily remove duplicates and then based on that the next step is uh, the based on the inclusion exclusion criteria the next step is um, the title abstract screening and the full text read screening um, there are many tools available for title abstract screening and the full text um, screening and Ryan is one of the uh, freely available um, software that I have tested earlier. It has um, title abstract screening and deduplicating functions. Uh, Colander is another one and Academia is another one. We, uh, both has protocol development features and the title abstract and full text uh, features. But Ryan doesn't have, when I tried it in a couple of years ago, it didn't have the full text screening feature, but I'm not sure whether it has the feature now. The subscription-based uh, covidence, which is the predominant and most popular uh, 
um, software that we can use for screening. It has title abstract screening uh, and full text screening. It has the uh, Prisma flowchart exposition. Uh, uh, ex uh, we can export data extraction and also the brisk of bias assessment tool, which I really like that. Disler SR is another one that, uh, another one that's a subscription based one. Now the critical appraisal is the most, now after uh, exporting that, uh, exporting the references, Critical appraisal is uh, the next step that determines the methodological quality of studies you identified. Um, it, is, it is mandatory that minimum two independent re reviewers formally appraise the methodological quality of the studies. In short, it is a method of um, uh, differentiating good uh, research from bad research. Critical appraisal of studies involves checking uh, the quality, reliability, and relevance of the studies you have selected. You can ask questions like, uh, has the study as aim uh, been clearly stated? Or um, does the sample accuracy reflect the population? Um, and then has the, um, has the sample size been um, really uh, being described in justified. So that, those are based on various uh, various inclusion exclusion criteria, and we have various assessment tools um, and, um, listed. And the other step is after critical appraisal. It is um, the formal data extra extraction is the formally analyzing the data in the individually appraised studies. I have seen researchers developing a form for critical uh, for data extraction and assign um, um, a couple of um, um, couple of criteria to allocate the data extraction. For example, when we are doing randomized controlled trials, you can uh, uh, you can assign as a data extraction is is technically ex extracting the data from the selected uh, individual studies after you appraise the quality. Uh, example, For example, it's a, in, in the randomized controlled trial, if you're assessing, extracting the data from the randomized controlled trial, um, we can look for whether how many people has been blinded, blinded where the study has been conducted, uh, where the results blinded, those are the, uh, the data that probably we might look in the in the uh, critically appraised uh, articles and the in the data extraction and finally interpret interpreting the findings and synthesizing the uh, conclusion uh, occasionally uh, we might also end up having a meta analysis in the systematic review and, and if if that is applicable not in any in every case if that is a quantitative systematic review is there are greater chance that it could be there should be a chance of meta-analysis as well now uh, there are many checklists available uh, unfortunately i cannot open that the browser over here um uh, casp checklist which has um more uh which, which has all kind of um um, checklist tools available for systematic reviews, randomized controlled trials and observation studies, etc. CEB, CEBM Center for Evidence-Based uh, Evidence -based Medicine has also uh, have critical appraisal tools. JBI's critical appraisal uh, site also has many critical appraisal tools, um, not only for systematic reviews. Systematic reviews, um, 
uh, specific uh, uh, systematic review, specific critical appraisal tools and STAR and the BMJ reference uh, framework for assessing systematic reviews. So once after uh, the, towards the end of the slide, we can explore that uh, that websites as well. Now I have another response um, here, the Zoom poll here. Since systematic reviews uh, constitute of um, synthesized results developing um, systematic review, what uh, is this the flawless? I would like to see your vote. MedPix is a free, open access, online database of medical images, teaching cases, and clinical topics. This resource includes over 12,000 patient case scenarios, 9,000 topics, and nearly 59,000 images. Students and practitioners can use the case studies as practice, and physicians may earn continuing medical education credit. You have selected the no, they are in absolutely they are in they are not they are not the final answer. Um, oh, so it can be uh, they can systematic reviews also can uh, can prone to bias. So bias is a systematic uh, error. It can be is a deviation from the underlying truth because of a feature of the design and the conduct uh, the research study. So um, there has been so many bias uh, identified in systematic review, the, especially in the methodological quality, the problems in literature search. I have identified a, a lot of uh, pro problem problems in the in, in this uh, literature search. Occasionally, they can report that oh, we conducted EBSCO uh, database. We have conducted. Um, uh, um, uh, database, but they have to. Uh, we have to. We have to explain which database, not the platform, but the the specific uh, databases. Um, and pro problem with Boolean operators, problem with the syntax, etc., has been notified. So everything can and and cause uh, the methodological quality and can lead to misleading or biased synthesis and sometimes in in influence influential subject subjective decision can be also made by researchers in 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 this in these steps the risk of the the, the diagram you are seeing over here the here is the risk of bias assessment and studies of the Cochrane review of therapeutic monitoring of antiviral drugs for people uh, HIV. So you can see the random sequence generation and it is uh, the, the plus green sign is the low risk and the high risk of bias is the, uh, the blinding of participants and personnel. So that is the, the risk of bias is, uh, uh, is also noticed in the, in the, in, in, in systematic review, even that is got, even that systematic reviews is reviews are conducted through rigorous methodology um cochrane handbook has um uh, overview of uh, um guidance on the eliminating risk of bias and uh, the chapter eight has how to uh to, uh, we can uh, explain the uh, uh, how to uh, improve the um or eliminate the risk of bias in chapter eight and 25 represents uh, non-RCTs. There are various tools available um, like Robin's one 
for known RCTs and rope two for RTCs, uh, RCT and the rope me for missing the evidence. Um, so moving on. So there are so many reporting. The next part is reporting. Um, reporting guidelines, uh, Prisma 2020 statement, Prisma flow diagram, uh, includes Prisma flow diagram and the reporting guidelines. Other reporting guidelines include the Cochrane Handbook of Systematic Reviews of Intervention, Chapter 3, and the Equator Network is has um, is, is a searchable database. You can pull out uh, reporting standards for uh, many uh, other types of um, knowledge synthesis. So if we can go to the um, the uh, Prisma Prisma statement. Um, so this is the Prisma 2020 checklist, which has uh, which has um, 27 items uh, to report. So the the study selection uh, and the its characteristics um, and the result synthesis, etc., and the discussion and the other information. So this is the most recently. Uh, revised revised uh, checklist. Um, so it's it's the published in 2020, and um, the uh, and and then uh, the, I can I, I, it's hard to see the the window over here because it's blocking to pull out the resources. So uh, this is the article, the, the Mohar article, which explains the, the Prisma um, checklist uh, development. And I, I, this, this gave me great sense of what the checklist is uh, and how we can use that. So going back to the slide. So even you, the, uh, preparing the, uh, the reporting, so in, in a typical uh, a systematic review article has the title statement and uh, a structured abstract with background and um, uh, and all other background and the the uh, results and conclusion the introduction etc and the rational aims and objective uh, this the 27 checklist item in the pris uh, much uh, statement as, uh, you, can, you can match uh, in uh, the the method strategy in here. We can take a closer look in that. It has the search strategy, the inclusion exclusion criteria, screening and the selection, uh, data extraction and the quality assessment, risk of bias and the synthesis, and finally the results and discussion and conclusion. Um, and typically, the search strategy can be stated in the appendix, uh, the complete search strategy, along with whatever you have done in, in, in whatever database you have searched and, uh, and the uh, uh, everything. So now, publishing, there are some of the things that we can consider. Um, the relevance of the when selecting the journal. We can consider the relevance of the journal, the reputation of the journal, um, and when it's a relevance, whether uh, you can inquire whether that uh, we use the topic or this is the, the manuscript match exactly on your topic, and the authenticity of the journal, the visibility, how visible uh, is how you, you how visible you you're gonna be 
when you are published, whether you want to select an open access journal slash the traditional journal and the copyright policy. Some of the journal selection tips that, um, that I listed here is Shakma Romeo can give you the clear um, uh, view of the copyright policies. Uh, that I sometimes recommend this to people to use the Sherpa Romeo. Um, EndNote Manuscript Matcher has a, is a good tool that EndNote Online, if you're using EndNote Online, the, the Manuscript Matcher, you can copy and paste the, the abstract and figure out some of the journals that is uh, 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 that you can publish, publish the manuscript. Elsevier Journal Finder is another one th uh, that you can use and and it can it's also it can sort out the journal uh, based on the abstract you can copy paste the abstract and sort out the various journals on the topic and uh, and um uh, is whether yeah also you can use sort out if it's open access on the traditional journal same as same functionality is available with the Springer Journal Suggestor. Jane is another uh, um, another tool that you can use uh, for this journal selection. OpenEye allows people to search and retrieve over 3.7 million abstracts, including charts, graphs, and clinical images from an open source literature and biomedical image collections. OpenEye contains images from chest x-rays, radiology reports, and images from the NLM History of Medicine collection. For more information, please visit www.nnlm.gov. So the successful collaboration strategies. Um, so once you have a completed um, that uh, step, it's again in, in the initial protocol, uh, I can, I can, I, I, that you you have um, you have collected the information from people the in the internal protocol that you can educate educate people because most people are approaching you with for the systematic review project without without having enough uh, uh, idea on what how in depth is it and you can team up and and I think I believe a librarian is the team leader of most of the project. And communicate effectively with the people. I, I would document everything that we have uh, in the each stage of step. step. Um, you can always anticipate challenges or resistance from people. Um, sometimes they change the question, and sometimes there might be conflicts from the timeline. If you're a solo librarian, keep track of your time, how much you can contribute to the the project and all everything could be effectively documented and discussed and effectively communicated with the people would be uh, will be really helpful for completing the project now the co-authorship uh, explain them the co-authorship expectations um the icgma the committee for uh, international uh, journal um uh, com committee can, CGME can have uh, a lot of information on uh, what is if we are providing the substantial work we are completing the uh, comprehensive searches protocol uh, creation protocol registration and finally giving the search method writing the search methodology so if you're a librarian it's 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 actually it's essentially it's definitely a 
a substantial work and eco authorship can be expected. Um, so uh, most majority of the, the researchers may not be aware of that. And I have experienced, um, I was ignored in some of the pre previous project and not even giving me, me a uh, acknowledgement, but I have seen the paper came up. Um, so, so make sure everything clear and communicate uh, uh, and document uh, for sure. And align with the protocol always, uh, always um, look back into the protocol and refer what we have discussed in the each step. So those are some of the um, successful collaboration strategies um, that you can uh, um, uh, align with. So uh, how we can do one? I think most of the people, can, everybody can do a systematic review uh, that if we have enough background and knowledge, and uh, having trainings, uh, professional trainings and online free training. I have listed uh, as free trainings and um, um, some of the tr good training links uh, that we can uh, have a systematic review training. I believe it's a scaffolded training would be the best if you are wanting to have uh, information, more uh, knowledge on or background on uh, protocol development, go ahead and get it. Uh, or if you wanted to have a more um, literature searching training, there is also on that. And uh, those are something that, that we have to consider in real, in real life or real systematic previous scenario. How can, how can it be applicable? So that is something that we can uh, uh, always think about. If when you have increased demand, that means increased resources. You need increased time. Beware that if you have, if you're a solo librarian having multiple roles, uh, or not a full-time systematic review librarian, you will need more than the recommended time to complete the systematic review. So anticipate those uh, things when you are um, starting a project. So these are the additional resources that you. Uh, I have listed JBA evidence synthesis, uh, which is a nice uh, guideline and uh, uh, manuals available. Uh, I'm not listing everything. I'm not reading out everything. Uh, system MLS Systematic Review Caucus is another good page that you can uh, get a lot of information on uh, systematic review. Um, uh, then the there are so many trainings available in conducting systematic review, introduction to systematic review offered by Johns Hopkins is a nice one that I really like that. Um, the Campbell Collaboration Online Course, Systematic Review and Meta-Analyst Carnegie Mellon, which is really, really good one. They also have a multiple choice questions to test, the, to test what we have learned and then um, there are um, systematic review aggregate tools available as well. So if you can check out this link, that will be great to see what are the systematic review aggregator tools. Uh, uh, other one is the recent one that we have in MLS systematic review pathway training, which I believe uh, would be a good one to to. And, and I think we are on time. That's all my presentation wrapping up. It's actually a process. Um, it's a trial and error process, uh, and we have to follow the guidelines. 
um, we can frequently refer back to the guidelines of the PRISMA guidelines, Green Handbook, and the other resources. And the most important of all, we can be, we have to be transparent in each step. And good luck. And thank you for listening. Thank you, everybody, for attending the session. Thank you, Margie. And thank you, NNLM Region 3, for asking me to present uh, this presentation. And I am open to your question. Okay. Thank you, Prasanna. Um, we'll go ahead and have you stop sharing. But we do have quite a few questions in the chat, so we'll try to get to all of them. But we know that your time is valuable, so um, you're, I'm sure Prasada would be open to you emailing her if we don't get to your questions. Yes. So yes. Okay. So one of the first ones um, that we had was: Can both clinical trials and observational studies be included in the same systematic review, whose objective is to assess the uh, efficiency of an intervention? I believe so. It's all about um, defining the question and it's uh, and, and and defining your inclusion exclusion criteria. So um, you can if and and if, and at the very end you will be assessing the quality or, or the data you are extracting, and if it finally match for the the scope of your question, I think. Um, it is okay to include both, um, but I haven't experienced that um, in, in, in a real life situation. I can further explore that question, but in in my first thought is yes, we can include that both. Okay, great. The next question is, what questions do you ask the patron to determine if the need for systematic review is real? Well, the initial cons that's a great question. The, with the initial consultations, I can always ask why you are conducting the systematic review. Where is this need coming from? So how many, um, how many, if there uh, how many teams, how many people are included in the team? And how how thorough is on the topic? And and I will explain all the protocols and other resources that we have to stick on with with the project. And uh, I can also check the timeline because I'm not a full time systematic review librarian. So these are the preliminary things that I would check with that. And finally, I will need to have a searchable question. I have it. I have to tell them I, I will conduct the initial search and discuss uh very uh, discuss everything explaining very well this is how it this is going to be the uh the final results and approximate results that can we screen it etc etc those are the uh um most uh, questions that i used to ask uh, and and i will used to meet the the the, the team with multiple multiple times to decide whether we can continue with the project or not <laughs> okay. All right. Um, let's see. The next question is, um, do you need to have a completed search strategy to create and publish a protocol? Yes. Okay. We will, and in the past, when maybe in 2018, until 2018, we will need at least one search strategy that we could, I would say it's, it's the pilot search strategy. Uh, we have to have at least one strategy. I haven't checked recently in the in the uh, in the protocol registries. Um, 
it need uh, the complete, so it need the search strategy. And after all, when we, if we wanted to proceed with the project, we have to finalize, we have to have a search protocol. Yes, we do, have, we should need that. So I'm gonna combine these two questions. So uh, why do you register the protocol and do you need to register the protocol in more than one registry? Um, it's not mandatory, but um, like I mentioned in the uh, during the slides, it gives you uh, it's, it's avoid the uh, unnecessary research waste. If two people are doing the same systematic review, we don't need to do that. And your project others can view you're working, you're conducting the same systematic review uh, that someone else is planning to. That's something that the that. Uh, um, is kind of a documentation. I I'm not sure about we can register in two places, but Prospero is the most prominent one. Some registries need uh, are charging uh, they they charge uh, money. So mm -hmm. I don't and, and also we we can upload um, the data or the uh, search strategies in 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 venues like Figshare. Uh, etc so it could be possible that you can register in multiple places but i haven't registered in in multiple places it's uh, something that i have to investigate we can register in two places right well thank you we're nearing the top of the hour and there are some other questions but um if uh, prasanna i know would be happy to answer them if you want to drop her an email so um her uh, email is in the slides so uh, please feel free to contact her that way. And I think we have enough questions and interest that we may need to bring her back for another presentation. So um, I really thank you. And uh, thanks to all of you. Thanks to our captioner, Katie, and all of you for uh, coming. And I, a special, special thanks to my friend, Prasanna, <laughs> for sharing your expertise with us. And we look forward to seeing all of you at next month's Health Bites with Region 3. Thank you, everyone. Thank you again. Thank you for listening. Health Bites podcast was produced by the network of the National Library of Medicine, Region 3. This podcast is eligible for one CE from the Medical Library Association. Visit the link in the episode description to claim your MLA CE.